Hey everyone, welcome back to Asked by Ayana. I am thrilled to share today's guest with you all. This is a chat that's been in the works for a while, so I'm super excited that we were able to make it happen. I am here with Felicia Pride, who is an author turned award-winning filmmaker and TV writer. She has written on Queen Sugar and Grey's Anatomy, is the writer and executive producer of Really Love, which won a special jury prize at South by Southwest, and she's also sold two features to Universal Pictures, along with directing Tinder, a short film which won a Lionsgate Award at the Black Star Film Festival and aired on Stars. And I know that sounds like a lot, but I I did not share her whole bio. There's so much more to it. <laughs> That's just the beginning. But Felicia, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So what I love about your story is that you got, I mean, I don't want to say late because it wasn't late, but maybe a comparatively late start in the industry compared, you know, to to maybe what people would assume. Um, So what was that like? How did you end up in entertainment and screenwriting? Yeah. um, So I, you know, went to school for marketing because it sounded like that's a way to get a job. So I really didn't have a plan in college or anything like that. Um, But I did have a professor who noticed my writing um, and encouraged me to minor in English. But I was like, I don't know any writers. That sounds like extra time and extra money. No. So I, uh, out of school, got a job working in marketing in corporate America and then found myself quickly bored. And I started finding outlets to write. And one of the first places that I found was an internship with this community newspaper called Black Rain News out of Staten Island. And um, the publisher would basically publish our work. So my first published piece ever was almost 20 years ago. Uh, was a review of Mary J. Blige's No More Drama album. And that lit me on fire, like seeing my name in print, but also it felt like I was part of a larger conversation. Um, so I guess I kind of got my start <laughs> almost 20 years ago in terms of writing uh, as a journal, a freelance journalist in entertainment. And then that morphed into writing books. I wrote six books, one of which was about hip hop. Um, and I went back to school for creative writing at Emerson in Boston, uh, moved back like lived in New York, worked a job and was in book publishing, but it was also pursuing my writing on the side. And then things got really challenging for me in terms of like books. Books got challenging as a form. It got challenging for me to find, get a secure another book deal. So I made a really uh, crucial mistake (laughs) that I say I wish I had never made, which was I stopped writing. I needed to get a job, which is fine, but I could have kept writing with my job. But I stopped writing um, and eventually opened up my own shop where I leaned on my marketing degree and was essentially what we call now impact producer. So helping um, social justice media reach audiences. And that was gratifying work for a while. But then after about seven years, I was like burnt out. I wanted to return to servicing my own creative projects. So my mentor at the time was like, what do you want to do? And I said, you know what? I want to take a take a shot at writing for film and TV. I had kind of started like self-teaching myself and I started writing what became uh, Really Love. And so seven years ago, I moved to LA at 35 years old with that one screenplay um, to take a shot at writing for film and TV. I love that you... Um that you, you touched on 
making the mistake of not writing anymore. I think that it can be really difficult as a creative to balance your creative projects and your creative pursuits, you know, to make time for both. So yeah, I know that so many of us have have been there. And I also think it's so interesting because I feel like, you know, so many people would look at like writing books and be like, okay, like that's the dream. Um, and so I think it's kind of important to have those conversations. Like this may not be the end all be all for everyone. Yeah. And I think also as a creative, finding your form, right? Some of us are able to work in multiple forms. Um, but I realized that books was not my form. And now I realize that, you know, TV and film is my form and TV even more so than film. Um, I love the opportunity to be able to tell stories over, um, uh, an arc, a longer arc than you can for film. Uh, but yeah, it was, and it's trial and error. Like, you know, I talked to a lot of like young people through um, some of my schools and it's amazing how much they feel like they have to have it all figured out, how they're scared to make mistakes. But I'm like, sometimes the mistakes is how you figure out what it is you really want to do. Um, and also just the idea of just living your life, like as an artist, like living and failing and stumbling and all that thing, all those things help, I think, to shape the art. Um, help to give you an interesting perspective. So I'd love to hear more about your move to LA. I assume that, you know, it wasn't like you moved and then here you are today. <laughs> like I, I know that there's a lot that had to happen. Um, but what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I moved to LA uh, with one client still from my consultancy to have a little something, but I was actively looking for a job. So it's interesting because when I first moved to LA, I had two job interviews set up. Like there were like second and third interviews. I had started over the phone in DC. Um, And one of them was with um, like this startup and I moved on a Wednesday. I had the interview on Friday. I got the job on Friday. And I was like, bet. I was staying with my homeboy on. Um, he was letting me stay in his bedroom. He was sleeping on the couch. It was supposed to be for two weeks. That Monday, I find out that uh, they had to put a hiring freeze. So I did not get that job. Mm. And so I sulk for a day. But I was like, girl, you don't have no time to sulk. Like, get on your hustle. So I started to kind of like... Be applying to everything. And it felt like I was applying into a dark hole, dark hole, because I also didn't understand like the the sort of business out here and how competitive it is and how nepotism runs so very deeply. So I was just applying to jobs blindly, like you regularly do. And that's typically not how Hollywood works. Right. Um, and so that two weeks staying with my homeboy turned into six. <clears throat> and then um I finally landed a job. And honestly, it was, uh, I hated it. <laughs> it was like a holdover type of job. And I remember like it was in Burbank and I remember like walking to Starbucks on my break and being like, I know this isn't it. I know this isn't it. This is just temporary. This is just temporary. Um, and then I landed another dream. What was, con- what a, for me was a dream job uh, working at a, um, a film startup. I was director of independent film. It was a distribution startup. Um, and I landed that job and I was like, word. And I worked that for about a year and a half and I was going to all the film festivals for free, Sundance. And it was just amazing. Um, but what, what it was too, was it was taking me further and further away from the writing, right? Um, to the point uh, that I got laid off. <laughs> and so uh, that was a turning point for me where I was like, okay, it was devastating because I love my job. But I was like, Felicia, you also are not putting in all the work towards writing. You came out here to write. You need to get back to that. So that 
was like a time where I, I sort of had to have a come to Jesus talk with myself. One, I had to rekindle my relationship with the work. I had put a lot of pressure on writing financially, supporting me and all these things. And there was just not a purity there anymore. And so I had to correct that. I also had to do a lot of self-work because I had too much self-doubt. I was My self-worth worth was very low. Um, so I have found the correlation in my own life between the self-work and the improvement of the craft and the self-work and the opening up of doors. So I had to do a lot of self-work and then I had to fucking write, you know what I mean? Like I had to come up with a schedule, a practice of writing. And so I found a very, I found a, um, I was like, I need a job that'll help me prioritize writing. So I found an executive assistant position that was virtual for an organization I used to have contracts with when I ran my consultancy. I was horrible at it. Thankfully, they extended me grace and I worked that job for a good six months. It paid well and it allowed me to prioritize writing and get my portfolio together so that I can go out into the marketplace really ready for TV staffing and, and film writing opportunities. I first of all, I have to say I relate to so much of what you said with having to work on yourself. I think that when you're in an industry where you're forced to advocate for yourself constantly, it's like it took me too long to realize like, okay, I actually have to believe in myself or else I'm not going to yes. be able to to hustle and to pitch myself. Um, you know, even now I'm like, okay, like they're going to see through it if I don't actually believe that I am. And they'll take you know, advantage of it. They'll, they'll yes. take advantage of it. Yeah. yeah. What is it like, or, or I guess what's your experience been? I know you mentioned the nepotism, but you are a Black woman in this industry who centers Black stories, which I think is like so important and like a very important thing to note. You know, just when looking at your work, um, do you feel like that has impacted things at all? Just like how has your identity kind of played into your journey, your career journey? Um, I think absolutely. You know, I started my first writer's room. Um, I turned 39 in my first writer's room. Uh, so I was a staff writer, which is like the the um, entry level position. Um, but I was on a show, I was on Queen Sugar, you know, created by Ava DuVernay. At the time, show ran by Anthony Sparks. And um, the thing that I had going for me was was twofold. One, I had voice. Because I had been writing for so long, even though it was in different mediums, I had spent a long time cultivating voice. So when we were, I was around town trying to get everybody to read my first screenplay, the structure may not have been there fully, but people connected to the voice. Yeah. Um, so I had that going for me, but also I had a self-assuredness because I was had life experience. I had been, you know, had careers prior to, and also had been doing all this self work. I came into the room with a self assuredness um, that I think really benefited me. And then I came again with experiences where I could share stories that we were able to, you know, use and and build upon. Um, so I felt like I, my age was an asset. I still feel like my age is an asset. Um, I also think just years of dealing with white people, you know, like it's an asset, right? Like I've I've had a lot of years dealing with white right. people, um, and also recognizing what I will deal with and what I won't deal with. Um, I've I've you know kind of perfected the art of what battles I'm going to choose because I also am about protecting my peace and my joy. But also I know that Hollywood is not my source. So if I have to fucking walk away, that's not a problem either. Uh, so it's those things that I kind of had going for me that you enter rooms differently. You know, yeah. you, you approach the work differently. Um, so yeah. 
I would love your thoughts on like a quote unquote big break because, you know, so many of the stories that at least I've read or hear are like kind of glamorous overnight, which I'm sure does happen. But um, just with what you've seen, uh, you know, is that a thing? <laughs> is that something that people should be striving for? I've never seen the big break. I'd be curious to see who, you know, you who you've been seeing a big break. Like, I haven't seen that. I mean, even if, you know, there are people out here who aren't that great craft wise, talent wise, who break in, but chances are they still were hustling for a long time. You know, sometimes what makes the difference between uh, people who may not have it from a craft standpoint is that they hustle their asses off. Right. So they still have been putting in one form of work or the other. Uh, but I just don't know any, I don't know any big break, <laughs> like yeah. just broken. And like, now there are people who have moved faster, right. Because of social media or publicity or whatever the case is, um, or connections and who they know. But um, for the most part, they still were putting in some form of, of work. So I, I, I don't personally know any big break. Also, I'm thinking about Black people. I mean, white. I don't, yeah. <laughs> Not That's actually really. a really interesting point because as you yes. were saying that, I'm like, for me, I'm like, yeah, it's mostly been social media and it's mostly been like, white people <laughs> so that may I may be answering my own question that's a whole different you know there's so many more elements to that yeah yeah that's a really good point you know that I somehow had not really sat to consider um yeah and I mean even as you said your point about um nepotism I've realized obviously in a different industry but even if your parents aren't someone super important even having parents who are able to like help you financially or, you know, pay for things is so that a you huge be, privilege. So that you can be an assistant, right? Like yeah. it, being an assistant is very expensive in right. terms of not making enough money, not being like you. So there's a privilege for many people who are even able to be an ex- assistant. You know, there are many uh, assistants of color who do not have the privilege that other assistants assistants have in order to really make the job work in order to be an assistant for five years and then move up. Like we don't have, a lot of us don't have that privilege or that luxury. Right. Right. Yeah. It's definitely important to think about. I'd also love to know how you kind of transitioned from writing to producing and then also directing. Um, Was that like kind of a linear journey or how did that happen? Yeah, it's interesting. My father used to tell me, because I used to be all over the place. Uh, I wanted to be a a Jill of all trades. Um, And he was like, the minute you focus, that's when things are going to start opening up. And then you can add things on. And so I finally received that advice. I was reluctant at first. I finally received that advice and um, focused on the writing, right? Because that because also I was running away from writing because I was scared. Um, but once I like really uh, sort of leaned into the writing and focused on it, things started to open up. Um, and then just understanding more about the business is when I started to add more things on in order to be of serv- in service of the story. So I added directing because I realized that features is a very much a director's medium. So there are stories that I want to tell that I need to be part of that vision from start to finish. So that's where directing was added. Producing came in because it's also a way to be part of the vision from start to vision, 
start to finish, but also to help usher in additional voices because I don't need to write everything. There are stories that I cannot write that I want to see that I just don't have the skill set or the capacity or the perspective for. So producing will allow me to do that. Is it, what does it feel like to see, I know this is like a very simple question, but I, I just would love to hear what it feels like to see your work just being perceived by like large groups of people, whether that's like, you know, on Netflix or even like if, you know, if you're writing something that is being debuted to a smaller group. It's amazing. <laughs> like it is amazing. You know, it's funny because I have released work previously, like I've released books and I've, you know, I still to this day have people who <clears throat> contact me about reading the book and uh, I would do talks around the country and, uh, meet young people who uh, would tell me about the books and like it was so so amazing. Um, so I had that experience. I think there's an additional level for film and TV uh, because you actually see all the people who are gathered in service of the story, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember so vividly walking to set in Baltimore when really the first day of production for Really Love and seeing the big ass trucks and seeing all these people gathered for something that I had written in the basement (laughs) of my DC place in, you know, the living room of my Baltimore place, because that script, you know, I started writing that 10 years prior to it being released. So I just was awed and floored and it was very kind of emotional. Um, And then, you know, Three years later, when it's released on Netflix, and to be able to watch it. Well, first, you know, Angel, who, Angel Christy Williams, who directed the film, um, we had a screening in Baltimore. So we're both from Baltimore. So to be able to invite family and friends to see something that I left to try to make, you know, I left home to try to make this film and to bring it back home with Angel. Uh, was amazing. And I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Um, And then like in my TV work, seeing people gathered and, you know, seeing craftspeople at the top of their game uh, in service of the story and being really, really uh, concerned about making sure they get everything right in service of the story is, uh, is, um, is remarkable. That I just hearing you describe it, I'm like also getting chills. How do you still find a love for writing? This is something I've discussed with other guests that sometimes when you have something you love so much, then it becomes your job (laughs) and you bring in your livelihood and money into it. It can be hard to still just have like that very pure love. Is that like something you've dealt with or, or how do you, how do you balance that? It's not something I dealt with only because I know what it is to not write for seven years. And not, no, that's such a good I point. I don't ever want to go back to that point ever. <laughs> like I never yeah. want to go back there. Now there is a thing of like wanting to write less, right? Um, but at this point, there's two things. One, I'm very purpose driven. So my purpose, I feel my professional purpose is to um, tell stories that center black people, particularly black women, to get those stories to the people they're intended for and to help others do the same. So that is kind of what drives me. And I feel like the work has just begun. Right. And then third, like, you know, when I'm on staff, I look at that as an amazing experience to learn, right? This is my this is my job. I have a wonderful experience to tell important stories, but also 
I have this purpose going on in the background where I have these stories that are burning inside of me that I have to tell. So I continue to get to creative gratification um, of the work that I'm doing on my job and also outside my job of telling stories that center Black women. You know, when I recently launched my production company, it's called Honey Child, and it is to tell and share stories by, for, and about Black women 40 and over. We call them honeys. Um, that is very specific. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever run out of stories, ever. Um, yeah. And that keeps me excited. Uh, and that keeps me, but also, again, I don't need to write all the time. So I'm also thinking about how can I be producing more and those those sorts of things. But yeah, I don't, I don't get that. And now I procrastinate, absolutely, right? You get tired. Uh, but in terms of like, I, I don't, I I went through that sort of very tumultuous time of trying to get back to writing. I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> it was yeah. one of the hardest things I ever had to do. I'm I'm so glad that you that you shared that because I think that it actually is really refreshing to hear from someone who kind of fought that battle and knows what it was like and now knows the importance of writing. For me personally, that's very inspiring because I uh, I definitely struggle with uh with finding the energy you know so yeah but i also love that you are doing this work with centering like black women's stories over 40 because that is like just something that's so needed really special um so i was gonna ask i know that you almost certainly get this question all the time but a lot of the people who listen to the show are mid to late 20s still figuring out you know what they want to do when you have young people who approach you who you have their dream job and they're kind of trying to figure out how to get there I I know that that's like a big question but do you have just any you know basic things that you share with them yes right because I get a lot of people who hit me up and are like they want to write okay (laughs) like right you know because that's the thing like uh Everything else is is extra, is gravy, and everything else you can't control. The yeah. one thing that you can control is writing. And I encourage uh, us as, as writers to get as good as we can and continue that journey. Like I'm in two writers groups to this day. I still take classes. Um, like the work and the commitment to craft is really, really important, especially if you value your audience, right? I know that I am writing for Black people, particularly Black women. I need to be fucking good. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So like putting yeah. the work to to get good and get a command of your craft and also to establish a creative practice for yourself. And then, of course, read, which is what people say, but it helps to be inspired and not just scripts, read novels, creative essays, you know, get inspired by other art, fine art, music. You know, when I love songwriters and lyrics and how that's put together, like get inspired, um, have a self-care practice and a self-work practice. You know, mine continues to consist of therapy, meditation, hiking, yoga, shit talking with my girls, like get <laughs> a, a, a self-care and self-work practice. And also get a tribe, people who match your um, 
hustle in terms of like your commitment to the craft, not necessarily like I'm out here not sleeping, not that your commitment to the craft. Um, and also who you can commiserate with, who you can grow with, who you can build with, who you can support. Um, and then network, like it is half of this job is building your network and building genuine relationships and finding a way that works for you, that it doesn't feel icky. It feels genuine and authentic. Um, so yeah, those are things I would say. Those are so good. I feel like honestly, even if you aren't a writer, that there's like so much stuff that you can pull from there. Um, so I appreciate it. Well, Felicia, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful. I've learned I've learned so much about you. Loved uh, loved hearing your story. Where can people connect with you online if they want to just find out more about you and uh, find ways to see your work? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Felicia Pride. Uh, you can also find, follow Honey Child on Instagram and Twitter at It's Honey Child. Our website is honey-child.com where you can um, link to find out our podcast. We just launched a podcast called Child Please, which is we're talking about all things being black and woman over 40. It's a lot of fun. Um, and we're also going to be releasing, we're putting together our film and TV slate and taking that out to market. So a lot of incredible, exciting things coming in addition to more podcasts. Um, and and then you can watch Really Love streaming on Netflix right now. And then you can watch Tender, my short, my directorial debut at tendermovie.com. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Asked by Ayana. I hope that you enjoyed the listen. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, taking the time to leave a rating or review or sharing it with someone who you think may enjoy it is a huge help and goes a long way. See you next week.